This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 245, The Truth on Reverse Mortgages with Loan Officer Tim Four. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Do you ever feel how your body experiences a word? Yeah, your body actually feels it when somebody says a certain word or phrase. There might be certain words that bring you happiness and delight, or fear and dread, or tension. How does it feel, for example, if I say the word puppy? Where did that appear in your body? How about a financial word? A word like fees. Ooh, you know, that sort of hits me in my throat like I need to defend something or myself maybe. Now, what about the phrase reverse mortgage? Where do you feel that word resonate in your body? Now, I'll tell you a story. When I first heard about Bank on Yourself years ago, quite literally, my arms crossed, my eyebrows lowered, my jaw got tight. I still remember the feeling. That was 12 plus years ago. It took me almost seven months to come around to the strategy. My mind was shut. Now, one of the things I love about my just absolutely incredible clients all across the country, and I love about you, my revolutionary audience and listeners, is your unwillingness to merely accept the status quo, but rather to think differently about your money, your economy, and your future. Does your future hold a reverse mortgage? Maybe, maybe not. But it's important to know the truth about these tools, how they might factor into your overall financial picture. Taking us through this journey is Tim Four. Tim's been in the mortgage business since 2012. Tim takes a holistic approach to mortgage lending with a focus on strategic equity management. That's a mouthful. Basically, it means putting that house to work. Tim also works with the sales team at Primary Residential Mortgage to ensure efficiency in the loan process. He's a 2007 graduate of Walsh University with deep ties to his hometown of Defiance, Ohio. What a cool city name. He currently lives in Akron, Ohio with his wife, Monica, and his daughters, Allison and Cameron. Guys, let's jump into this incredibly revealing conversation with Tim Four. Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. I'm I'm really happy that you invited me on. You're an expert in the mortgage services space. I work with you probably several dozen times a year with many Mm -hmm. of our clients to do a number of things. Tell me that story, Tim. How did you get to where you're at today? It's a very, very weird story how I got into this. So I went to Walsh University, which is in North Canton, Ohio. And after my first year, I became an RA. And one of my students, whatever you want to call him, one of the people that lived on my floor was my boss, Matt Shanlian. And uh, Matt's been a guest on your your show before, had just had knee surgery, and I had just had knee surgery. So we commiserated on that. Matt transferred to the Liberty University. I stuck it out at Walsh, and then I actually taught. I was a teacher for a number of years. And Matt would call me every single June, and we kept in contact. He'd call me every June and say, sick of teaching yet? Nope. Sick of teaching yet? Nope. Sick of teaching yet? Nope. And finally, the, uh, the fourth year, I actually was kind of sick of teaching and uh, I moved my entire life across the state that weekend. And that's how I ended up in the mortgage business in July 2012. 
And here we are almost a decade later, and I really can't imagine doing anything else. It's just, it's a passion for me. And I love the people that I work with. And how cool is it that I get to come to work with some of my best friends every day? So nobody can complain about that. I'm mm -hmm. really happy to hear that. And guys, if you want to go back and listen to the episode with Matt Shanlian, that's episode 157, 157. So go back and check that one out. Tim, I wanted to bring you on because you, like Matt, work with our clients on mortgages. And it's a little odd, to be honest, to be wanting to talk about bank on yourself with someone who is ostensibly doing lending and, and mortgages and banking. From your perspective, how does bank on yourself, the concept and also the product of dividend paying whole life insurance and using it like cash and so forth, how does that connect to the mortgage and home equity? What relationship is there? Spell that out for our audience. Yeah. So I, first off, I have a bank on yourself policy for myself and my kids that I put in my monthly family contribution and everything. So I, I'm pretty well-versed in that. I literally put my money where my mouth is there. And uh, when I'm working with clients, I will offer to show them, hey, look, you want to see my my policy? I'm happy to show it to you. I mean, you're going to give me your tax returns, W-2s and everything. But how we incorporate all that stuff is it's just a complete holistic approach. And the bank on yourself is the most holistic, well-rounded, comprehensive, long-term financial security instrument for your whole family. So it, it safeguards against the current and the future, which is what I love about it. And incorporating the mortgage into it is just common sense because for a lot of families, your home is your largest investment that you will ever make with your spouse. So why do we treat it differently? Why do we treat it like it's this some other thing and not this financial investment that we have. Mm -hmm. So if we can mix the bank on yourself philosophy and incorporating mortgages along with it, it's just common sense about managing that equity and putting that money from the equity in your home into safeguarding your family's future. Every single family is completely different. And I look at it from either my past coaching perspective or looking at, at it from a puzzle perspective where you might give me the nuts and the bolts and say, hey, Tim, I've got Joe and Jane Smith. They need to pull some equity out because we're starting this plan or something along those lines. You're giving me all the edge pieces. And then when I, that's how every, I think, same person starts a puzzle. You try to do the edge pieces first, and then you fill in the middle. You give me all the edge pieces, then I fill in the middle. And we come up with a comprehensive financial plan incorporating the mortgage. And we say, all right, here's what I think is the best path forward. Does this work for your family? I will always tell every single client at the end of the day, you got to do what's best for you and your family. You get very creative with equity. And I, I love that because too often, I think we've been spoon fed the average advice that the home is just a graveyard of money where you just dump money in every <laughs> month and you're never supposed yeah. to touch it. And maybe hopefully you can pay off that mortgage someday and live there. And that's fine for some people, like you said, whatever's best for your family, but it is a graveyard of, of your wealth. And in some cases, it's the biggest asset in your family's net worth in yeah. some cases. So what are some of the creative ways you've been able to help folks activate their home's equity where they can use it for their advantage? Yeah. So this is a really fun part of the job for me. When I see 
a, a client, we, we obviously, we have to obtain a copy of your credit report whenever we're starting a file. I look at the list of debts and then I, you know, come up with the figures of, okay, your service, how much are you laying out a month in debt servicing? Whether it's credit cards, auto loans, student loans, uh, personal loans, timeshares, pretty much everything. I remember this one client in particular it really sticks out into my head because they had a $300,000 house that was paid off. And then he also had $200,000 of credit card debt paying anywhere between 18 to 22% interest. Wow. And I'm just like, he was outlaying like three or $4,000 a month and not really getting ahead on his, on his credit cards because it, that much money a month was going just to interest every single month. And I remember talking to him and saying, Hey, look, we can do this cash out refinance. We can, you know, pay off literally all of your debt, wipe the slate clean. And he's like, why would I do that? I've got a paid off house. And would you rather be, you know, consumer debt free or mortgage debt free or whatever, but managing that equity to free up that monthly cash flow. And it is pain. It's like his monthly outlay would have gone down by well over $2,000, but it's just that mindset, as you said, of all that debt equity in your house, two things have happened recently. Number one, we've had tremendous increase in, in home values. Uh, it's gone up over 17% year over year nationwide. And in some areas it's like 30 and 40%. I know, for example, in my neighborhood, which I live in Akron, Ohio, it's, and I live in a nice neighborhood, but you wouldn't consider it like the best neighborhood in the world, the most desirable neighborhood in the world or anything like that. There was a house that went up for sale that had nine offers on it before they even had their first showing. That's kind of how it is nationwide. And also the second part of that is a lot of people are locked into their mortgages. They pay their monthly payment and their balance is going down and down every month. Wouldn't you like to have your house pay you back? Wouldn't you like to be able to turn that dead money into revenue generating money? And also it's something that Matt and I beat the drum of all the time is all revenue, whether it's, you know, doing a cash out refinance and, or any other type of way that you're getting money from your home. 100% tax-free. So why wouldn't you take advantage of a tax-free money vehicle whenever you can, yeah. especially with home values increasing across the board like they are? Is our IRA tax-free? No, not if it's not a Roth. Is our 401k tax-free? No, not if it's not a Roth. How many tax-free instruments could we really count? Probably on one hand, and yeah. the home is one of them. So we mm -hmm. go, Tim. So cash out refinance. So just for the, the brand new listener, that would be essentially I've been paying into my house for dec a decade. It's appreciated in value. So I've got, let's just say, as you mentioned, maybe $300,000 of home equity that's built up like that gentleman you shared where he had his house paid off. Mm -hmm. I'm able to engage you. You work out an interest rate and a monthly payment for the house. I get something close to 300, you probably need to keep 20% of the home value in the home or something like that. But I get a yep. good chunk of my money. So the title company would send us a check and I'd get a check in my, my mailbox and I can put that into my checking account and spend it at Disney World and it's tax-free money. Or I can yep. hopefully do something better with the money than that. That's quite a trip to Disney World. But <laughs> you've got the idea there. So that's a cash out refinance. Uh, and that's been around for what? Generations, I suppose, yeah. right? Now, yep. now I was doing some research for this episode and I learned that the very first reverse mortgage was started back in the 1960s. Mm -hmm. And then the government started to regulate it in the 1980s. 
And then I think there's been some more recent updates to the reverse mortgage industry where it's even further protecting the, the consumer. But why would you said earlier that the house could pay me? Now, I don't mm -hmm. know about your house, Tim, but my house does not have an ATM attached to it. So <laughs> how will my house pay me? I have to pay my mortgage every month. How is my house going to pay me every month? Describe that for me. Yeah. So, and we're going to, I'm going to go straight to the, the reverse mortgage scenario here that you hinted at is Heckam loan, which is the technical term for a reverse mortgage. And that's uh, H-E-C-M -H stands for what? Home equity conversion mortgage. Yep. So what that is, is it's a specialized loan product for people that are 62 and over. And recently there's been some proprietary products that can drop that age down to 55. So with that, you can essentially get a pool of money to work with. It's called your principal limit, which is a certain percentage of your home value, which is a sliding scale based on your age. So if you're 62, you get roughly 50 to 51 point something percent, and it goes all the way up to 75% if you're roughly 90. 75% of what? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but. Yeah, 75% of your home's value okay. would be your principal limit. And with that, what they allow you to do is they give you a number of different ways to access the equity in your home. So you can receive lump sums, you can have a monthly payment, you can have a line of credit, or you can do all three. For example, I was working up a proposal for a bank on yourself client in Florida, and they had this home paid off, but their spouse had recently passed away. So they only had their one social security check now, and that just wasn't cutting it. The proposal that we outlined for them is they needed roughly 15 to 20,000 uh, upfront to be able to take care of future proofing the house, like adding hand bars in the showers and, and upgrading the house to make it the permanent home, roughly $15,000. So they were getting that lump sum at closing. She said, well, after my husband passed away, I lost his roughly $1,500 a month social security check. So I built into there a $1,500 guaranteed monthly payment that is going to hit her account first of the month until the day she dies. Then there's also like 60 some thousand left in the line of credit. So you talk about future proofing yourself. And I always say, if you're going to do that line of credit in the reverse mortgage, make that your first line of defense. Don't tap into an IRA. Don't tap into an insurance policy, cash value insurance policy. Don't tap into any of those things. Use that home equity, that money that you've already paid in. Let it pay you back tax-free first. If you need a new furnace, your transmission goes out in your car, major expenditures that can blow a fixed monthly budget. That is the beauty of the reverse mortgage and its versatility. And I know Matt talked about when he was on the show, and I highly, highly recommend you go back and listen to that. But he talked about how it was when I started, it was kind of the wild west where it was literally, you give me your ID, you sign some disclosures, we get an appraisal done, boom, you're closed. Now we have all these financial assessment components. Oh, and by the way, back then you just got a one-time lump sum payment. And it was really good for loan officers, but really, really bad in a lot of cases for borrowers. Now it's completely tipped. And, and would you say that that's partly why some people have a negative connotation with reverse mortgages? Absolutely. Because I mean, it's, it's older than the 401k, guys. The, yeah. the reverse mortgage has been around for longer than your 401k has. And yet you have you, I, we all have a negative stigma towards it. And you're saying now that 
there's been some renovations. I forgive the the housing pun there, but there's been some renovations <laughs> for the reverse mortgage. So say some more about that. Yeah, they really started revamping it in roughly 2014. They added a financial assessment component, which basically made it a lot like pretty much every other mortgage where we would look at a person's income. We would look at a person's debt load and things like that to make sure they pay, they had enough money to pay their property taxes and their homeowner's insurance. They instituted the mandatory counseling. Uh, so what the counseling is that it's mandatory in all reverses and what they do is they, when I, whenever I do a proposal for someone, it spits out a code and that code they give to whoever they're scheduling their counseling with. They will review my proposal and their instructions are to go through it with the client with a fine tooth comb. So if I'm trying to take advantage or if I'm trying to charge exorbitant amount of fees and everything, they're going to call me on it. They're going to say, Hey, look, you need to rethink this. Maybe you should shop around a little bit. And I can proudly say, and I've closed, I'm this year, I'm going to get pretty darn close to 200 total reverses closed that I've never once had a person or counselor say, man, that guy, oof. Uh, yeah. I've had the opposite where, wow, I've never seen a deal that's good on a reverse mortgage and everything. And that just all comes from our context with working with you guys. It's my job to give you the best possible mortgage to incorporate into your financial plan for your family's long-term future. I couldn't look myself in the mirror if I wasn't giving every single client the exact same deal that I would give my own mother. That's yep. just how, how that's we great. take that, take Tim, that and, approach here. And Tim, that's partly why I love working with you and the whole team there at PRMI. We'll, we'll talk some about that here coming up, but I, I wanna address what I've heard. One is, Tim, you're saying I gotta do counseling, you're saying there's fees. This sounds like a, you know, a lot of red tape and possibly someone's going to rip me off. That's one thing I hear a lot of people say. The other is, isn't this just for poor people, Tim? I mean, isn't this the desperate, the destitute, the people out of other options do the well-to-do, look at reverse mortgages and turn up their nose? Or do you work with folks at that level of income as well? No, absolutely. I've done uh, a reverse mortgage with someone with a net worth north of 30 million. And they had a two point something million dollar home that they were doing a reverse mortgage on that they wanted to just basically pull the cash out. And what they did with that cash was they paid off their second home and another like a family home with it. So all their well, homes were paid off. Tim, you, so, you think about it. And I, again, I don't mean to interrupt you there, but this makes sense from like yeah. a, just a tax standpoint. If you're worth 30 million and you're pulling money from your real estate or your tax taxable 401ks or IRA, IRAs or business income or whatever it is that you're doing at a $30 million net worth level, you've got mm -hmm. a ton of taxable income coming at you like a freight train. And you take some money out of a tax-free instrument like a, a mortgage, that's tax-free, right? Yeah. Uh, whether your absolutely. net worth is $30 or $30 million, that's a tax-free stream of income. That's tremendous. Mm -hmm. And and I see that quite yeah. often. Yeah. Yeah. And we do high value homes all the time, in particular in California, Hawaii, we're starting to see more of that in Texas and Florida as well. But there, there is a jumbo reverse mortgage out there that you can go up to values, up, home values up to like, I think 10 million for some of, some of our investors that we work with. So just because you have a two, three, $5 million home, doesn't mean you can't do a reverse mortgage on it. Mm -hmm. And doing kind of the quick math on someone uh, that is in retirement, maybe they bought their, their home in California in 1980 for 150,000. And now it's worth like 4 million. 
well, hey, look, if I can get you a tax-free check for, let's say, hypothetically, $2 million, what could you do in your retirement with an extra $2 million? Without selling the house, right? And if yeah. you sold that house, there'd be a lot of capital gains on that house, taxable mm -hmm. to you. So you've, yeah. you've laid the case for why this might not just be for the poor and destitute. Is this going to be riddled with fees? Are we going to just see our home value get gobbled up? And then is the bank going to take my house when I pass away? So one thing I want to make sure that I'm giving everyone eyes open view, I don't hide anything. My wife calls me no filter Tim. So I will tell you, everything up front always. Reverse mortgages do have the highest closing costs of any loan that we do. The main reason for that is the FHA requires a, a large upfront mortgage insurance premium. With that mortgage insurance premium, what that does is that it makes your loan what's called a non-recourse loan. What that means is the bank can never come after you as the borrower, your state, your heirs, or anything for other than the value of the home at the time of your passing. So when we talk about reverse mortgage, I always say to people, reverse your thinking. So with your standard mortgage, your balance is going to go down every month. With a reverse mortgage, your balance is going to go up every month. So if you are 70 years old and you take out a reverse mortgage, you can live in there to 110 years old. But, you know, in that time, 40 years of interest has accrued. So you might have your $500,000 house and $750,000 is owed on it. Hey, look, we can, the kids can sell my house for the 500 grand. But the bank still owed another 250,000. Where does that come from? Comes from that mortgage insurance premium. So you're paying that upfront cost to safeguard your estate. That to me, that's, that's worth it. That's, uh, so that's tremendous sure actually. Yeah. So there's no way to be underwater, let's say on a Correct. reverse mortgage. And your then, kids will never have to bring money to settle the sale of your home. And then if if I want to leave it to my kids and I've still got some equity in the house, am I able to do that? Or does the bank get to gobble up my house? Absolutely not. The bank does not gobble up your home. First off, the family has the right of first refusal. And despite what some people think, the banks don't want to own homes. It's incredibly expensive. It's incredibly time exhausting. It costs a lot of man hours to be able to foreclose on a home and then manage that property. Because once they foreclose on the home, usually it's another year before they can actually get it on the market. And in that time, they're paying homeowners insurance at an increased rate. They got to pay someone, like if you're up here, you got to winterize the home. You got to pay someone to mow the grass. You're going to be out of city ordinance and things like that. It's extremely costly for a bank to foreclose on a home. But the family has the right of first refusal and they give you up to a year to do something with the house. As long as you're staying in communication with them, it's never going to be a problem. So the three things that can happen, number one, if there's equity in the home, let's say it's a $500,000 house and $350,000 is owed on it. Okay, great. Hey, uh, lending institution, A, PRMI, mom and dad have passed away. We're settling the estate how we're going to list the house for 500,000. We found the last mortgage statement. It shows 350,000 bank. Great. Yay. We're happy. We're glad you're selling the home, but you know, just keep us involved. Keep us, let us know, send us the NMLS listing. They just want to know what's going on with the property, which is their investment. So you sell the house for 500,000, the bank gets the 350 that they're owed. The estate gets the other 150. It is literally like any other home sale on the planet. It is no different. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's option number one. 
Option number two, if one of the named members in the estate, let's say one of the kids wants the house, like, hey, you know what? This is my childhood home. I love it. Mom and dad, you know, gave me such great memories here. I do want to live in this home. They can buy it back for either the loan balance at that time or 95% of the fair market value at that time, whichever those two amounts is lower. So they get the better deal of those two. The third option on a reverse mortgage when you're settling it, let's go to that scenario where I said, hey, 750,000 is owed on this $500,000 house. The kids can say, hey, you know what? There's no equity in there. We're all living in different states. It's a nice house and everything. We just don't want it. There's no gain for us. At that point, whoever is the executor of the estate can sign what's called a deed in lieu of foreclosure, which at that point you would deed the home over to the bank. They would make it a bank-owned sale, just like any other bank-owned sale on the planet. But your family just gets to wash their hands of it and work on the rest of the estate. They'd have no recourse to get that $250,000 back because that mortgage insurance premium. So there's never a scenario where the kids are desperately wanting that house and the bank is feverishly stealing it from underneath them. So that's Never. fantastic, Tim. Thank you for that. The quote that comes to my mind here is several different ones, including the president of the Michigan Savings Bank advising Henry Ford's lawyer not to invest in the Ford Motor Company. This is in 1903. He said, <laughs> uh, he said the horse is here to stay, but the automobile is only a novelty and a fad. Uh, and look at what's happened since. It reminds me again, the history of the reverse mortgage. And you know, I, I would say our, our obsession with paying off our house goes clear back to the Great Depression. Absolutely. There was a, a call on mortgages where banks could come collect your house at any point. And I guess as, a, as far as I know, 1933, there was a, a banking act that passed that says that's no longer even possible. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's true on a traditional mortgage. And that's true on a reverse mortgage too, if I'm correct. Uh, it's not like you guys could come just decide to wake up one day and take grandma's house or something like that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been really pleased with the clients who've been able to employ creative real estate equity strategies like the cash out refinance. Uh, when home prices are going up like nuts like this, it seems smart to me to take some of the chips off the table and put it into a guaranteed predictable asset like whole life insurance and mm -hmm. then reverse mortgages. Uh, again, I see those coupled really nicely with whole life insurance because here we have a, an asset, the house, that might go up, 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 and then down, down, down. But correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a line of credit that has a guaranteed interest on it to grow at a certain pace each year. Is that still correct? Yes, but uh, with the terminology, it can't be called interest. It's called line growth. Oh, thank you. And, All right. <laughs> yep. And with that line growth, it grows completely independent of the home value. So your yeah. home might appraise for, yeah. So you, your home might appraise for $300,000 when you do the reverse mortgage. And then a year later, if we have another 2008, you know, knock on wood that we don't, but if we have another 2008 and your house is worth 200,000 now, dropped a hundred thousand dollars in value, it doesn't matter. Any unused portion of that line of credit grows for you. And the rate that which it grows is whatever the interest rate is, plus a half of a percent. So it's like, always going to outpace your interest. Tim, I, I just want to slow that down because you just said that if my house price crashes and I've got a reverse mortgage, whatnot, you're saying, say it again, say it yep. so that like someone who's pulled the car over because he or she couldn't <laughs> understand, couldn't believe what you just said. Say it one more time. Yeah. So the line of credit aspect of a reverse mortgage will always grow completely independent of the actual value of your home. 
So the value of your home could crater. Again, it could drop to $10,000 as long as it's still an inhabitable home that you're living in as your primary residence. The line of credit that you took out when you consummated your reverse mortgage will grow for you no matter what at whatever the current interest rate is on the reverse mortgage plus a half of a percent. You know, there's not many things that I just look forward to growing older and getting, but this is one of them. This is <laughs> just, good. you know, right along with my dentures and whatever else, I'm looking forward to the reverse mortgage because think about taking that non-guaranteed asset called your home property, your house property, and turning it into something that has a predictable line growth where it grows on a predictable schedule for the rest. Sounds familiar to me. Sounds a little <laughs> like a bank on yourself design policy. So Tim, how can folks meet you? They probably want to learn more about some of what you've shared today. What's the best way to get in touch? Yeah, absolutely. You can reach out to our office. Uh, phone number here for our office is 866-888-7902. You can look for primary residential mortgage. We're specifically the Worcester, Ohio office uh, because it is one of the largest private mortgage companies in the United States. There are many branches, but our branch is the Worcester office in Ohio. Uh, Worcester is spelled W-O-O-S-T-E-R. And you can find our individual branch website. There's a link there. You can email me, call me, everything. I've got a Facebook page that you can find. Just search for Tim for primary residential mortgage and you'll find me there. Uh, you can chat me on there or however you'd like. Once we get working together, I always give people my cell phone, which I always say, hey, look, if you're going to trust me with your home, the least I can do is give you my cell phone. So you can call, text, smoke signal, Pony Express, whatever. Great. And guys, you don't have to be in Worcester, Ohio, the beautiful promised land of Worcester, Ohio to work with Tim. You can work with him in most of, of the United States. So just call Tim and he can tell you if he can work with you, even if you're across town or across country. Tim's a great man, great person to work with. He helped me when we were going through our mortgage process. So I trust him with my finances, with my mortgage uh, solutions. And thank you, Tim and PRMI for the, the opportunity to chat today. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. As always a pleasure. Thank you again, Tim, for an amazing interview. Guys, it was so jam-packed. I didn't want to take a minute away from the interview itself, so I'm just going to leave you with just two or three quick takeaways. First, I was blown away that the reverse mortgage started in the 1960s. Guys, this means it's by far older than the 401k. The reverse mortgage is older than the 401k. And yet, which one between reverse mortgages and 401ks, which one of those two is derided by the financial industry? Which one has kind of the black sheep effect going with it? Which one is raking in billions of dollars in Wall Street fees? And which one is fleecing our retirees with undue market risk? <clears throat> 401k. You know, I'd say that if it were up to me, if I was Pope of Money for a day, I'd make the 401k advertise on some of these late night infomercials with Tom Selleck and put the reverse mortgage in the spotlight instead. So that was my first takeaway. Second takeaway, it blew me away again to learn that the affluent, like the very wealthy, are rushing into reverse mortgages to get tax-free streams of income. And I definitely want to look into the jumbo reverse mortgage to see what their rates are like, see what kind of options there are, and when they might be a good fit for certain clients. And then finally, the strategy that, that Tim talked about borrowing from the house and having that line of credit or that stream of income that's without any taxes due, it reminded me of our buy, borrow, die concept that we talked about clear back in episode 199. If you haven't listened to episode 199, I highly recommend you go back and listen to it. 
as it will really connect with this episode that you heard today. So guys, with all that in mind and everything that Tim shared, I want to thank Tim again for coming on and for you sticking with us to the end. If you've made it this far, you're obviously interested to learn more about this. So reach out to Tim or his team or reach out to me and I can get you connected. And you can do that by going to notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com. Click on the big button that says request a meeting right there. Can't miss it. We can have a quick 15-minute call to answer your questions. All right. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your financial vocabulary, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.